just want to welcome you here if, it's, if it is your first time here. Uh, like, like Casey said, we're a bunch of regular people serving Jesus, and uh, we hope that today you enjoy your time here. We are in a series called Kingdom Manifesto that we've been in since uh, February, and we will remain in until the end of May. And really what it is, it's a, uh, a series of messages based on Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And uh, this is Jesus's, really his first like long sermon that's recorded in the Bible. And what he's doing is he's, um, he's sort of laying out what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, right? We, we've talked about this quite a few times, but there's some things that tend to be sort of trendy when they first start. And Jesus, he has been performing these miracles, and uh, just by healing people, right, people are following him. Uh, some people don't have the best motives as they follow him. They don't know really what he's teaching. They just know that he's doing good things, and they want to be around that right there. Uh, we always kind of chuckle a little bit at the disciples because um, you can kind of sense for them, they, they sort of feel like Jesus is crew. You know, like they've been chosen, and here's this, this new Messiah, right, the, the Messiah, this new rabbi, and, and they sort of jump on the bandwagon early, and so that you kind of start sensing some pride from them as the story goes on. But Jesus kind of puts all that aside, and he says, hey, I want to let you know what it truly means to be a Jesus follower. And I believe as Jesus draws line in the sands, uh, in the sand, a lot of his fans, <clears throat> they sort of, they start leaving, because they're like, I mean, it was cool whenever you were healing people, Jesus. It was cool whenever you're doing the stuff that we like. But now you're starting to, you know, starting to some, put some stuff out there that is not so easy to do or easy to follow. And we have an issue with that. Uh, he's got people in the crowd who were Jews and Gentiles, uh, those who were raised up in the things of God and in the law, and then those who were not. And also he's got religious leaders, those who know the, what we would call the Bible, but they know the, they know the law very, very well. They know the Old Testament very well, and they begin to use the Old Testament, a lot of them, uh, to kind of lord things over people. So Jesus is correcting those who were kind of in legalism. He's correcting those who were in lawlessness. He's correcting those who have power, those who don't have power. He's sort of just ticking everybody off, you know what I'm saying? And he's bringing truth right in the gut, and so that's what we've been studying. Uh, last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about anxiety and fear. If you've been dealing with anxiety or worry, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen two weeks ago to our last sermon. I think it would really, really help you with your perspective and your struggle with anxiety. But another thing that we worry about is people. We worry about people's actions, and uh, this can make us a very judgmental person. Today we're going to be talking about judgment. I'm excited about this one. Uh, you know, some of the most fearful people are, are the most judgmental people. Because a lot of times when somebody is judgmental, it's actually out of a spirit of fear. Right? If, think about a parent. Think about your parent that's really, really, really strict. A lot of times the strictest parents, they do that because they're actually afraid that something negative might happen to their child. And so they try to build these barriers and these walls around them to protect them from anything that could go wrong. And they end up coming across as just this, this very, very tense, stressed, fearful, legalistic parent. And, uh, and so we, we don't want to be that with people, but it happens a lot. But a lot of times it's rooted in fear. But Jesus is going to confront today in verse 1 through 5, he's going to confront uh, hypocritical judgment, hypocritical judging. And, uh, and uh, really, 
every single sermon that we've had, we've had a heart attached to it. And so this week is a heart of humility. We want to learn how to have a heart of humility. So let's open up uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. If you've got a Bible app, you can go ahead and do that. By the way, if you have the Version app, you can always go to more and then go to events. And you could follow along in um, a lot of the, the notes and the verses that are going on here today. Just look up Northwood Church. You ready to jump into this for a few minutes? All right. Everybody's favorite verse, verse 1. Ready for it? Come on. You all know it. Whether you've ever read the Bible ever in your life or not, you know this verse. Judge not that you be not judged. Man, I've heard, I've talked to people before. They, I, they, they know nothing about the Bible, but they're like, eh, they, yeah, I don't want to judge anybody. You know, Jesus said not to judge. And I'm like, he also said a lot of other things. I don't know if you've read any of those. But uh, anyway, judge not that thou that you be not judged. I want to bring some clarity and distinction between what, uh, maybe what Jesus is talking about here, but also the different words that are used. Uh, there is a distinction between judging and judgmentalism, all right? Judging is discerning truth based on facts. Judging truth based, discerning truth based on facts. This is necessary, we must have judgment in our life, okay? I mean, from the basic things of if you're walking towards a door and you're going to open up that door, you've got to judge the distance between you and the door to put your hand out to push it open, right? If you don't, you're going to open it with your face, and that's no good. It's necessary. If we think about the judicial system, if we think about judges, how unfair would it be if a person murdered someone, they're on trial, they are, I mean, it's obvious they did it, and the judge says, you know, today I'm going to show grace and you can go free. Everybody would write, right? I mean, right? Rightfully so. It's like that is unjust and there should be justice there. And so we like judgment, but we don't like judgmentalism, all right? Now, the thing, I'm going to use these two terms a lot, proper judgment and improper judgment. And so judging is proper judgment. It's based on wisdom and discernment, righteousness, justice, truth, all these words that we love. Uh, proper judgment isn't selfish and is motivated by love. Love is a massive component of judging, okay? We're going to learn that here in a second. Uh, the second thing, though, is being judgmental or improper judgment. And this is finding fault with people without properly discerning the circumstance and usually without seeing your own faults as well. Right? So, okay, let me read those again. Judging, discerning truth based on facts. Judgmentalism, finding fault with people without properly discerning the circumstance and usually without seeing your own faults, which is hypocritical. Judgmentalism a lot of times is based on your personal feelings about something, your opinions, all right? Everybody's got opinions. They're kind of like armpits. Most of them stink, right? And if you're on social media, then that's pretty much all you smell is armpits nonstop. It's, it's horrible. But there's a lot of assumptions and presumptions involved with judgmentalism, you know? I think this, so therefore it's law. That's not the case. You know what I'm saying? Where, what's... What's the background on that? What's the, where's the truth statement in that? Oh, I just, it's kind of how I think. Well, that's, that, that's some shifting sand to be standing on. There's a lot of things that I thought 20 years ago that I don't think anymore. So, so what's the standard there? We have to be very careful about this, right? This is where we also see partiality and prejudice come in with judgmentalism. You know, the Bible talks a lot about partiality, especially in James, where uh, we shouldn't treat people different based upon anything about them. 
based upon their, their, their skin color, based upon their class, based upon, you know, what school they go to. We don't, that's partiality, and that's a sin, straight up sin. The Bible is specific about that. And, uh, and so, so that's where judgmentalism is, okay? So we're kind of separating these two words so we can use them properly. But we know that we must judge. Jesus actually said this in John 7, 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So don't judge with partiality, but judge with righteous judgment, with righteous, a righteous standard, right? So he doesn't say don't judge. He just says judge properly. You see, the opposite of improper judgment isn't no judgment at all, but rather proper judgment. Okay? I was recently uh, 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 reading this book, and we were kind of discussing it. And it was talking about abusive leadership. And this guy said, the opposite of abusive leadership is not no leadership. You know what I'm saying? That's not the opposite of it. The opposite of abusive leadership is good, righteous leadership. Right? The opposite of, of, a, of a bad situation is not no situation at all. Right? A, a, a bad, um, what we're talking about here, bad judgment, improper judgment, is not to just throw off all restraint. No, it's to actually... Let the plumb line set, you know, the trajectory for proper judgment. And Jesus instructs us to do this. So, so moving on in Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, he says, For with the type of judgment you pronounce, with the, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Which is the other scripture that everybody knows really well. Judge not, lest I mean, I don't want to be judged. And also, well, you know, whatever you dish out, you're going to take, you know, you're going to, you're going to get back. Well, let's talk about that, okay? The level of st or standard of judgment that you hold others to will be the same that you'll be held to as well. We see that throughout Scripture. We see, you know, but it's a little bit different than maybe how you're thinking. Because whenever we think about that, uh, the question becomes, is that karma? And karma is something that we've attacked <laughs> quite often here. Because it's sort of in our culture as America, we have this karma mindset, which is like you put out good vibes, you get good vibes, you put out good, you know, treat people right, you'll be treated right type of thing. And, and although there's a general truth about that, there's some differences between what we believe and, uh, and what, what that mindset is about. So, so is Jesus talking about karma here? No. Karma says you deserve it. You deserve what you're getting, good or bad. And, uh, and Christianity says in regards to, to, to what we're receiving bad, that we all deserve it. So karma is like you did something bad, you deserve something bad. Christianity says no matter what you've done, whether it was good or bad, you still deserve bad. Because of sin. You see, you see the, the gospel, the, the way that the word operates, it levels the playing field. It brings all the people that think they're doing really good and it brings them low. And it brings the people that, that are living in condemnation and shame and it lifts them up. And we're all on an even playing field. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So this is one of the core things that begins to erode judgmentalism in your life and in your mind is this thought right here. It, that, the thing that's happening to that person negatively isn't because they did something wrong to deserve it. And it's like, ha, 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 ha. No, it's a, it's a product of sin. It's a result of sin. And so we don't deserve death or life based on our good actions outweighing our bad actions. Right? The, the old scale thing. Well, I did a lot of good today. That means I can do bad tomorrow. 
it's almost kind of what for some people Ash Wednesday is. It's like, hey, let's just like get everything worked up and then let's just go and, and then we'll repent of it all. That's not the heart of God. That, that's not how this thing operates. But that's how many people feel like it operates. They, they feel like it operates that way. But we deserve death because of our sin, and we receive life because of God's grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus. That's how we receive life. We, don't, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. right? We sing that song that says that. But he freely gives us, through, the, through his gift of grace, life. All, karma also has this air of vengeance, which is addressed in Proverbs chapter 24. Now go ahead and buckle up, because for many of you, you've never heard this verse before, and it's going to convict. It's going to convict you. You ready for it? You ready? Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. All right, let's just be honest. How many times? Has a person that you, you don't really like or has treated you wrong, you see them fail or you see them fall or you see them struggle, and there's like this little thing inside of you. And it's like, yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And look at me. Look at me. You know? This verse is talking about that. But you know that that mindset a lot of times is rooted in this tit-for-tat thing, right? Like, oh, you did that to me, and now you're getting it. And the Bible says not to rejoice whenever your enemy falls. Let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Your heart. Nobody can see that. You could be like this. Oh, that's so, I'm, I hate to hear that. And inside you're like, yay, 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 you know? <laughs> God has a way of hitting the, out, the outside of us, right, the things that people see, and then he cuts through his word. He cuts deep into the thing that nobody sees, the thing that we hide, and we get really professional at covering up and even justifying, you know. He says, don't do that. God is not a fan of gloating, right? So we're just continuing to kind of show the difference between judging and judgmentalism and sort of whittle away at this, this, this thing. Now, the next three verses also are verses that people know a lot of and use. And it's uh, three through five. Here we go. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right. Have you guys ever been at a restaurant or eaten out with some friends? And let me just paint a story. Like, let's say you're just, you're digging into, like, collard greens or something like that. How many collard green fans we got? They're, I did not discover collard greens till just a few years ago. Yeah, they're very good. I think it was the smell that always threw me off. Maybe I'm thinking of Brussels sprouts. Anyway, um... <laughs> Similar, similar. But so have you ever been eating, you know, eating collard greens or something that's like, you know, like very colorful and you're sitting there and, and, and you're eating and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, guys, and you start telling a story. You know where this is headed. And you start telling a story and then people are looking at you kind of funny or you hit the punchline and nobody laughs and you're like, 
I thought it was funnier than that, but okay. And then and one of your friends is like, hey, real quick, um, you, got, you got something. It's, it's nasty. You, you got to get, <laughs> you got to dig that. <laughs> you got some greens in your mouth, bro. You know, and, and you get it out, and it's like, mm, oh, man. Well, you know, I'm, was that too descriptive? Sorry. Here's a toothpick, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a story about Casey, actually. This is... <laughs> uh, it's normal now. It's normalized. But uh, he's always got something in his teeth. And so <laughs> this is a true story. But I didn't want to name him. But it was, uh, it was there. I could. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, but when that happens, like, honestly, you want somebody to, to let you know. The, the thing that's wrong is whenever they let, just let you go all day and you got stuff in your teeth. And like, you know, you had like an interview later on that day or whatever, an important conversation. You're like taking selfies by the beach, you know, and, and you're like, man, how long have I had this in my teeth, right? But, but then also sometimes you might be sitting there and your friend helps you out with that. And you're like, man, I'm glad you said something about that because like, bro, you got, you got something as well. You know, you got to, like, that's not you. That's me. No. Uh, you know, let's, let's take that, let's apply that to what this verse is saying in some roundabout way. <laughs> let's kind of let's make this fit. But no, actually, that's, that's exactly how it should work in our lives as Christians. Actually, when motivated by love, is, hey man, I love you, we're close, I've seen something in your life that I'm concerned about, and I don't know if you know about, but I want to let you just, I want to have an honest conversation with you. And then the beautiful thing is that that can turn around and, and it's like, hey, man, I know I've told you something, but let, what about me? Do you see something in me that's similar to this or, or anything? Just that type of openness and transparency. If that is happening, then there is a healthy relationship. In a marriage, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this way to operate properly. But, but Jesus is, is putting on display what a, what a proper relationship looks like and proper judgment looks like, which is actually instead of poking out, you know, po uh, uh, pointing out somebody's fault, that you would humbly and quietly and respectfully go to them and lovingly let them know, but also be open to the fact that you might have a log in your eye. And so what happens is people read the scripture and they're like, oh, I never want to help a brother out because I might have a log or a speck or something in my eye. And so therefore, I never say anything. That is stealing an opportunity for growth for you and the other person involved. I've had many, many opportunities for growth in my life, okay? <laughs> about a year, let's see, about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, I had a, a friend who said, man, we need to get together. And we got together, and it was, it was a pretty, it was pretty intense get-together, pretty intense meeting, a lot of honest conversation. And, and he said some things to me that some of which I could see, and I was able to quickly receive it and be like, I could see that. And there was a few things I did not see. And there was one specific thing that he, he told me, and we were sitting there face-to-face, -face and, and he said it, and then I responded and then he said, that's what I'm talking about right there. Now, let me just let you know something. In a moment like that, 
you have an opportunity to remain humble. You know what I'm saying? Or you have an opportunity to be like, well, I've got a couple things to say about you now that you're going to, you know, poke your chest out, right? And, and, but the thing was is that he was being, he was right. He was right, and I was wrong. And I admitted it right there. I was like, dude, you're right. I, I see that. I'm sorry. Without any defense, without any, you know what I'm saying? But, but, but now that you've told me something, let me tell you something. Because that's what a lot of people are trying to do. It's a defense mechanism. No. My brother was helping me out. He's like, man, you got a speck in your eye. And so let me focus on the speck in my eye before I try to, you know what I'm saying, try to point out something to him. No, let me, let me, let me receive this. And I think we as people, we find ourselves on either side of that, that situation. Some people are scared to go to someone that they're close to and they love and be honest with them. And, and let them know something. Uh, it could be a warning for them, though. Did you know, like, like, God might be wanting to use you in someone's life to properly, lovingly bring bring judgment. And we can't even use that word proper. We can't even use that word because it sounds so hateful, right? Uh, judge. No, no. Judge. Judging is like sort of like conviction. Conviction is a positive thing. Conviction is full of hope, and, and, and it's the Holy Spirit letting us know and guiding us back to truth. We are that one with another in many, many situations, but we have to be open to that. And we're going to get into that just in a moment, how we can kind of take this to the next level. Galatians 6 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, though lest you too be tempted. So here's a, a warning saying, if you go, be on guard so that you're not tempted in the same thing. But let me tell you the danger in not having loving relationships where there is confrontation and, and, and proper judgment is that you can actually begin to all not confront one another and not judge one another properly, and then you've got rampant sin and compromise all over the place. This has happened in churches. It's happened all over the place many, many times. Man, you know, we're like in a prayer circle or whatever or a small group, and it's like, uh, oh, you struggle with that? I struggle with that. You struggle? We, we all struggle. We all Let's all struggle and continue to struggle together and not actually repent. See what I'm saying? That happens many times. And that's, this verse is one of those things. It's like, be careful or you'll be tempted to also compromise in that area. No, we want to be restored back to holiness, restored back with, with truth, bringing us back to the plumb line of where Jesus is at, right? Proper judgment. We don't want to begin to compromise and be like, oh, man, yeah, we're all in that together. Because that is a ploy of the enemy as well. And, and that can be had in an environment that does not have proper judging. I hope that this is coming off right because this is in the Bible, right? It's not in our culture. It, it, it's in the Bible, though. But this is loving. This is like discipline. This is like correction, this is a good thing. The Bible actually talks about that, how we should, we should embrace, we should embrace uh, judgment. We should embrace correction and discipline, that it's actually a good thing in our life. I want to skip forward to, uh, to verse 6. 
Because verse 1 through 5 was discussing, um, it was written to hypocrites. People who are holding people to one standard and not holding themselves to it. The Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, holding things over people and, and causing them to, to, to feel bad or feel negative for, for what they're doing. But the, but the religious leaders themselves at the time kind of covering up their own thing. You remember the story whenever the religious leaders threw, uh, threw the, 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 the prostitute at, at Jesus' feet. And they're, uh, they're like, you know, accusing her. And Jesus is like, he without, the first, without sin cast the first stone. Jesus was beginning to kind of bring into balance the law. And he was beginning to apply it evenly to everybody. And not everybody was a fan of that. But that's what he's doing in this verse. But verse 6 sort of kind of changes the tone. And whenever you read this verse, it's sort of like, who is he talking about? Well, let's read it together. Ready? Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So this is Jesus saying this. What is he talking about? Well, this verse is applying, uh, is to those who are, who have been properly judging and are trying to properly judge those who are rejecting persistently truth, reject, uh, persistently rejecting the gospel, persistently like a wall is up. And Jesus is saying, don't throw what is holy before those people. Basically, don't give all of your energy to that, that person or the, that situation. And he calls them dogs and pigs. That culturally was kind of normal. I mean, today I wouldn't call someone who's rejecting the gospel a pig, okay? It's a little bit different for us. But for them, this was kind of part of their vernacular. And he's like, don't throw what is holy. Don't throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot. And then they turn to attack you. You see, some people are properly judging, but they are properly judging too much. And they continue to hurl things at people and criticize. And even if they're saying truth, they're not saying it with a heart of love. And therefore, those people that they think are so wrong, they're actually wrong to a certain extent. And those people can turn and attack them. And then they're like, I'm a martyr. You're not a martyr. You're just mean. You're just mean. In this day and age, y'all, people in the church, not Northwood Church, the church, they're just mean. People are mean, man. And I think that Jesus is, is kind of, through these verses, he's bringing correction to all of us, all of us in some way, shape, or form. In the church, he's bringing correction and say, hey, listen, you need to properly judge one another, but... but but you have to be motivated in love. You could tell someone the same thing, the same exact words with the same amount of facts and truth and all those, all those wonderful things, right? But if you do not have a heart of love, that person will have difficulty receiving it. It's always going to be that way. It's, right? It's, it's, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. <laughs> anyway, I'll keep going on that one. Um, the way that you say stuff, if it's, if it's rooted in love, 
it will take root and it will it'll produce good fruit. But if it's rooted in fear or anger or judgmentalism, it just doesn't work. And so many times we have to think, okay, am I expending all of my energy to try to convince someone who, and, and, and in doing that, I'm really causing more damage than good. I, wa- I want to tell you this. You don't have to die on every hill. You don't have to die on every hill. There's, there's a lot of people who are dying on a lot of hills. Man, taking stances on biblical things that are not black and white, and they're losing friends, and they're dividing people, and they're bringing division to the church. And it's, it's, not, it's not a black and white issue. People make it a black and white. I'm not talking about race, right, by the way. I'm using black and white. You know, you know, clearly defining two different things. There's a lot of people who want to make things very, very uh, opposite. And there's a lot of gray area in things. And we have to use a lot of wisdom and discernment in that. But whenever a judgmental starts, spirit starts coming into the mix, and it's about me being right and you being wrong all the time, that's where some negative things begin to take place. And we must be careful not to be like that. But we also need to be careful not to be spineless uh, compromising believers who then fall off the other side of the horse and, and you know, we, we don't live with truth. So there, there's a big balance here, and that's what we're trying to communicate here today. So, um, but I want to I end today, and I want to ask three different questions. And this is for you to think on and apply to your life in regards to the judgment, properly judging or improperly judging. If it is a, if it is a hill to die on with someone, how do you properly judge someone? How do you properly judge someone? Number one, you pray for them. Before you ever decide to judge somebody or step in and say something to somebody, you better pray for them. You better make sure that your heart is for them, not against them. That you are going in a spirit of love. 1 Corinthians 13, come on, patience and kind, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, that you're bringing all of that to the table and not just you. <laughs> all right? Pray for them. Love them. You must forgive. You can't go into a conversation with a, with a, you know, a wheelbarrow full of, of bitterness and anger. There's got to be a sense of, of love. And, and you don't want to shame or ridicule them. Don't publicly shame people or ridicule them. The third thing is you want to speak the truth. For some people, this makes them very uncomfortable. Because I actually have to say something relationship is a huge part of this component. Let me tell you that right now, your, your relationship with a person. But yes, at times, I needed my brother a year ago to speak some truth to me. That's what I, I needed that. Did it make me feel uncomfortable on the other end? Yeah, but I needed it because he came with the right heart. Number two, what if they don't receive it? What if you go... You give your best, man. You, 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 I mean, have you ever gone to someone with a pure heart and they totally rejected you? They totally stiff-armed you, right? And, and, then, and then, I love this, and then they, they take your conversation and they go tell 10 other people about it. That's always fun. What do you do? A little redundant here. Number one, you pray for them. You pray for them. You don't curse them, right? You don't pray that God would shatter their teeth like the book of Psalms. We don't want to do that. Bless them. Pray blessings over them. You pray for them. The Bible says love your enemies. And if a person rejects your, your proper loving, you know, confrontation, your judgment, you cannot become bitter about that. You must release them. Love them. Number two, love them. 
Forgive and release them. Again, don't shame or ridicule them. This right here is where a lot of gossip starts. Start spreading little rumors, start little whispers. I have a prayer request. This is just between us, right? Because we're going to pray about it. So-and-so came to me, and, but we're going we're gonna to pray for them in a moment. But right now, I'm going to rip them in half. You know what I'm saying? All right. What's the next thing you do? Live the truth. The first one, you speak the truth. If there's a rejection, live the truth. Just, just you know, my parents, whenever they got saved um, in 1980, they... They were very close to their family and obviously had a lot of friends. And whenever they began to follow Jesus, their life changed. And when they began to tell people that they were following Jesus, they, they got the stiff arm. They got rejected. That was one person they were very close to who threatened to literally kill them. They were so angry at, the, at, at their life and what they were doing. And they got very quiet after that. No need to say anything else. The gospel has been preached. I don't feel like getting murdered today. But they live the truth, not for just a month or two or a year. I'm talking like 40 years have lived the truth. And it's been amazing to see God over that span of time begin to, to, to bring life to our family. Why? Because they kept living the truth. They brought truth. They spoke the truth in love. And then they, they knew the hill not to die on, Right? And they just live the truth. Some of y'all, you're in a place where you just need to live right. You just need to love them. You need to live right in front of them. And you need to keep your opinions, although they might be factual and, and biblical, you might just need to keep them on the DL for a little while. I don't know. You have to use wisdom. I have no idea what situation you're thinking of right now. I'm just giving you some ideas, right? But here's the hard one, number three. What if it's you being judged? What if you're the one that's being properly judged. What do you do? Well, number one, you need to pray. <laughs> I know it's the same thing again. But there's a little bit, something different on this right here. You need to pray for discernment to know if the judgment that's coming to you is proper or not. Because there are those who may feel that they're coming to someone with the right heart, but they could be manipulating you. And they could be using high and mighty sounding, they could use scripture even. They can use scripture to try and correct, or, and loving, right? I'm, again, it could, they could come softly. You must pray and discern whether or not that thing, the Bible talks about uh, prophecy, and whenever there's a, prophe a prophecy that happens, that, that comes, and somebody speaks that prophecy, it should be weighed, and it should be, it should be judged. Is it, is it truthful? Is it biblical? And then eventually, the Bible talks about if that prophecy comes true, then that person was actually validated in the fact that they heard, they heard God. But if, it's not, if it doesn't align with the word of God, then it's to be thrown out. When somebody brings correction and it doesn't line up with the word of God it needs to be put to the side but sometimes it might align with the word of God but you might feel that there's an improper motive in there that's why we must have discernment because people can use this right here to abuse people very easily and there's a lot of church hurt 
in, in our world right now. There's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of churches who have done some, a lot of pastors who have done some very improper things. And it casts a shadow over, over the body of Christ. And what it does is it begins to erode trust in, in church leadership, but it also begins to erode trust one with another in the body of Christ as a whole. And everybody begins to look around and say, well, is there anybody that's actually doing this for the right reasons? Is there anybody who's properly judging and loving people like Christ has called us to? So we must have discernment. We must pray. But it also doesn't mean that we have to throw, throw everything out the other end and be like, well, we're not going to do anything the Bible says anymore because it might come across wrong. No, we must properly judge. We must pray to discern. So if somebody comes to you, pray. Number two, love. Be thankful that God loves you enough to discipline you, even if it hurts. The Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. And sometimes he uses his word. Sometimes he, the, the Holy Spirit just convicts us through the word or, or just, you know, as we're praying. But sometimes God uses people. He uses our brother and our sister to come to us and to let us know. And so we must, we must thank God that he's lo- he loves us enough to discipline us. And uh, we also must respond in a spirit of love. That says thank you. I don't have anything to say right now maybe, but I will go pray about that. I'll go pray. Thank you for bringing that to me. You stay open. One thing about this before I say the last thing. Um, A person who criticizes you, you, if you view their judgment, their proper judgment as criticism, and maybe it is improper, critics very rarely hit the bullseye, but they very rarely miss the entire target. And some of you need to realize that. That that person might not be a person you like very much. Right? They might have not said every single word right. They might have not, you know. But man, did they miss the whole target? I mean, are they completely off? They're, they're probably not. There's probably a, a thread of truth. I'll just, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. There's a speck of dust of truth in what they said that then this third thing might apply to. Number three is you might need to repent. If it is proper judgment, how do you respond to someone that properly judges you? And you know it, man. The Holy Spirit convicts you, you know. You repent. There's no shame in this, y'all. There's no condemnation in this. This is life-giving. This is, this is loving. If you've ever been in a tough situation or a tough argument with someone, and, and, and then one of you said, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Well, yeah. What happens? It dissipates. This is the truth of the Bible. This is how God created this. If we mess up, we repent. We repent to people. We repent to God. And God is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess. He forgives us. We confess. But then we are also healed one with another whenever we do that with one another. So let's embrace this process. Let's not read these scriptures from judge and not be judged. You know what I'm saying? Somebody come to me, well, you, you can't judge me like that. I saw what you did two weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? That's, at least in this church, let's not have that type of attitude one with another. Let's be humble. 
let's truly be loving and let's apply the word of God to our relationships in a way that honors God and glorifies him. And like the scripture says, they will know that you're my disciples, you're my followers by the way that you love one another. Let's, that, let's let that be the, 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 the uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The reputation of, of our church and the way that we operate. But why do we do this? We do this because we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? But Jesus, he, he, a few years later, he takes on everybody else's judgment, everybody else's punishment. The punishment that they deserved, like we talked about earlier, how we all deserve judgment. Everybody in that crowd deserved judgment. And Jesus is teaching this. And then a couple of years later, he of all people who did not deserve it, he took on the penalty of sin and death on himself and died so that we today, we could teach a teaching like this and we could teach it with true love, proper love because we've been shown love. So therefore, whenever we have a revelation of love, Jesus, the way that he has loved us and forgiven us, it's easy to forgive and love others. Whenever I find it hard to show grace to someone or forgive them, I don't need to really think about that situation more. I need to think about the gospel more. Because that's where, the, that's where the grace, that's where the love, that's where the forgiveness comes from. My relationship with Jesus, not that, whether that person has treated me just right. Because who's going to treat us just right? Nobody. That's the beauty of the gospel. And that's why the cross permeates every part of our lives. Our relationships with people, the way that we think. Last week we talked about anxiety and fear. The gospel supersedes all of these things and brings hope and healing to every single one of us, no matter where we're at. So I know a lot of the things that I said today is hitting us all different. And I believe that's what the word of God does. I believe that when we read the word and we speak about the word, that, that it, it cuts through all of our emotions, it cuts through all of our situations, and it brings hope. Sometimes, though, it brings challenge. Because now whenever we know something, we have to go do something. And so right now, as we pray, we're going to pray here in just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity maybe to, to pray through some situations in your life, through some relationships, maybe where you've been improperly judged and you need healing because you feel like you've been misused. Others of you, you've been hurt because you've gone to someone in love and they completely rejected you. But no matter the negative situations that have happened, we're going to continue to be faithful to the word and continue to obey. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you humbly asking you to solidify in our hearts the things that we've talked about today. God, would you help us as people to properly judge ourselves based upon your word, to properly judge those around us that we love. God, not to have a spirit of judgmentalism, but God, teach us how to properly weigh things and, and, and properly uh, uh, show love to one another by, by bringing up situations to warn one another. God, let us be and let us have proper relationships, proper biblical relationships. God, ultimately, it's that we are holy. It's that we reflect your, your glory. And God, we can't do that if we are, are weighed down by sin.
God, we don't want to be a, a church uh, that, that you warned us about in Galatians where, where we then, we, we pray and we look at things, but then we just kind of become tempted ourselves and we sort of might create an environment of compromise. God, let us not do that either. Let us hold a standard, God, where we don't fall into legalism or lawlessness. Keep our hearts pure. We repent right now of the improper, the, the times that we've been improper, where we've improperly judged someone. Yeah, we might have had the right facts, but we didn't have the right heart. We repent right now. Come on, you might need to say that person's name and say, God, would you help me to forgive? Would you help me to, 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 to change? God, to release them. Maybe somebody came to you and did the same thing. Say, God, in the name of Jesus, I release them right now. It's not about a feeling. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Forgiveness is based on truth. Holy Spirit, would you heal us? Holy Spirit, I'm, pr I'm praying for, for every person here that is far from you, who doesn't know you, who hasn't accepted you as their Savior, who hasn't put their faith and their trust in you. God, I'm praying right now that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would reveal truth, that you would reveal the gospel, the fact that, that Jesus took their penalty. We thank you for that. For some of you, you just need to say, God, I want to follow you with all that I am. I give you my heart right now. I give you my life. Change me. I believe in you. I thank you for your grace in my life. I thank you for what you've done in people's lives today, Jesus. That you're bringing us closer to you. You're changing us more and more to your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're about to close this service out. I want to say a couple of things before we do. We're going to sing one more song together. And as we sing this song, the lyrics of this song, I believe, are going to mean something different now that we've talked about what we've talked about. The second verse especially, uh, it talks about how Jesus took the penalty on himself. The innocent judged guilty. There's such power in those words. And so I want you to, to really hone in on these lyrics and sing them. We got about just five minutes left. Just give us, give us five more minutes. But if you prayed that prayer today or you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to take that next steps card that Scott talked about earlier and fill it out and bring it back to our next steps area before you leave. We'd love to connect with you this, connect with you this week and let you know about a couple of things, a couple of next steps that you can take in your walk with God. And we'd love to help you in that journey.